1: Our show works by chatting to our guests about music, but also getting them to make you a playlist of the songs they love. You can find the link to our playlist in the show notes. Welcome to episode 47. I'm your host, Simon Fink. Our guest today are and Crows. The American rock band has just released a new EP entitled, But a Miracle, Sweet One. In today's episode, we're talking with Adam Jarrett about how he found his way back to songwriting, his love of Gang of Youths, and writing music for film. Here we go. today is the frontman for celebrated rock band Counting Crows. They've recently released their new EP entitled But A Miracle, Sweet One, and are about to celebrate the 30-year anniversary of the band. Please welcome to This Song Is Yours, Adam Juritz of Counting Crows. Hello. Hey, man. How are you doing? I'm very good, thank you. I'm very good. How are you?
0: You know, I'm doing pretty well. That's very good to hear. I what's going on with this microphone. Okay, go ahead.
1: (laughs) Uh, congratulations on, uh, Butter miracle sweet one, the, the EP, it is out now it's, it's out in the world. Um, and it's the first new music we've received from counting crows in about seven or so years. How does it feel to, to finally have some new music out there? Uh,
0: it's really cool. Um, yeah, it, we had a little bit of a problem, uh, with the way it was released. They kind of screwed it up, but I'm really, really excited to have it out.
1: What was the issue with the release?
0: Well, it, you know, it's a suite. The songs all flow into each other. And when we were almost done recording, we thought we should go back and record endings that we can put on the songs so that when we want to make a single or something, or people want to put it in a playlist, there's a version they can play of each of these songs that actually comes to a close. Because otherwise, you know, they're meant to flow as one, but it means if you cut them in pieces, they don't, that it sounds kind of cut off. So we went back and did those, but they were really only for the purposes of playlists and singles and stuff like that. And there was some confusion, and they they put it out instead of four songs that flow, (laughs) there are four songs that stop. Um, So it was like everything we'd talked about making a suite didn't actually get released, and it's been (laughs) about four days. They're almost, it's starting to look like they've got them finally the correct versions up now.
1: The one I was listening to last night in Australian time. Uh, it seemed like it was, everything did flow into one another, so it might have been fixed on some
0: platforms. That's good, that's good. There was a version out there that was the entire suite, but instead of being four songs that flowed, it was just like one track that had all four songs in it. Oh, okay. Um, they did, there was a version <laughs> of that on Spotify. Um, it'll, it'll get solved. It was just like a little miscommunication somehow, confusion, but you know... <laughs> I've been doing this for a long time. I've never accidentally released a record wrong. that's that's the one thing that had never happened. Uh, so it was uh it was shocking. I discovered it exactly one minute after it came out.
1: Oh no, that's um yeah <laughs> that's not the way you want to discover it. the as as mentioned, the the EP is a suite. It is like a continuous kind of piece of music, which is something that you guys hadn't done before. Where did that kind of idea come from?
0: Well, I hadn't written in a while, and I wrote the first song, The Tall Grass, and the next day I was playing it back to myself, trying to see how it felt, see if I really was sure it was done, and I got to the ending, and I was just kind of vamping on the ending and enjoying it, I messed around with some different chords, I liked the way it sounded over those chords too, and then I just sort of sang... Bobby was a kid from around the town. And I thought, oh, that's really cool. You know, And for a second there, I thought, well, maybe this is like Palisades Park where I want to extend the song through different movements. And then I thought, no, I actually think this is a whole different song. I just need to write it now. And I started writing what is now Elevator Boots. But about a minute into writing it, I thought to myself, wow, how cool would it be if I could write a series of songs where the end of one is the beginning of another? Like If I did four or five songs where they flowed the way that just did. Uh, and I got really excited about it. And so that's what I determined to do.
1: It is, uh, as mentioned, it's the first time you've done something like that, but I know that you did, um, I think you mentioned at the start, there was a little bit of apprehension about getting back into songwriting or you hadn't written in a while. When you were writing The Grass, had you set out to, was there like a concerted effort to be writing or did it just kind of happen organically when you started writing The Tallgrass? Grass?
0: No, you know, I wasn't expecting to really write anything. I, I had, was out on a friend's farm uh, in England, and I had been there for a few weeks. Um, some of the time with my friend and his family, some of the time my girlfriend was there. But a fair amount of the time, I, I was on my own. I was just alone with, like, no one around, just me and these two dogs. And I just kind of got the urge to play piano. And I, you know, rented a keyboard in London and had a friend drive it down for me one weekend and I, I just I hadn't played much in a very long time even. And so I started trying to play piano and teach myself how to play again. And, uh, and then I wrote the song. A couple days into it, I wrote the tall grass. It wasn't really, uh, I wasn't expecting to be doing that. I mean, I was on a farm in the middle of nowhere. It was really <laughs> like not where I expected to write songs.
1: Is that the first time that you'd written, I imagine not written overseas, but the first time you'd kind of, I guess, begun a project not In the US?
0: I'm not sure. I've definitely written songs or begun writing songs overseas because I've been, I spend so much time on tour. I don't really write much on tour, but I know I have written on tour. Like I know I finished uh, Accidentally in Love in Hotel Room in, like, I think Liverpool or Manchester. And I I know that I worked, I wrote a lot of uh, Tuesdays in Amsterdam on a tour over there too. So I've written, but I don't write much on tour because I can't play piano on tour. I can't bring one to my hotel room and I don't play guitar. Um, yeah. So, you know, I don't think I've written much overseas. But that, that's mostly just because when I'm away from home, I don't have a piano other than at at, uh, at gig where yeah. I don't have much time to do stuff like that.
1: No, that's very fair. Um, I had been reading as well the, the new record, or I guess getting back into songwriting, was kind of maybe inspired slightly by some, some I guess, more contemporary or newer music that had come out um, from some friends of yours. I think that one was um, Sean Barner.
0: Yeah, I mean, I was definitely, um, I don't know if it's what got me to writing, but I had been, I sang on Sean's, well, this new album as well, but also his last album, uh, Sissy, uh, and uh I really loved a lot of the other, the vocals that I did not do on that record, the background vocals were my friend Dave Drago, and I really loved the flavor he gave to Sean's record. Uh, And so I actually asked him to do a lot of background vocals on this record too. He did 90% of the background vocals on uh, Butter Miracle. A couple vocals by Emmy are on there, our guitar player. But other than that, they're all Dave Drago. and that was something we did during the pandemic when everyone was quarantined. He and I, a- across the phone and across Zoom, worked on all those vocals. Um, yeah, so, I mean, it was, I mean, I had definitely in the last couple of years, a lot of my friends have done some really great records and I, and I was really, got in charge. One of them, my friend, uh, Dave Leal Pepe, who sings for uh, Gang of Youths. Yes. And, and he was one of the people that I was seeing a lot when I was over in England when I was working on these songs and he's one of the first people I sent this music to Dave and I, and Chris Caraba do tend to Chris from dashboard confessional, you tend to pass music back and forth to each other.
1: Yeah. It, um, firstly, it sounds like a very incredible kind of, um, group chat thread, if you will yourself, Dave <laughs> and and Chris Caraba. I was going to ask because, uh, obviously we're an Australian based podcast gang of views are like, um, they're like a, a straight band they're, they're massive here um how did that friendship kind of come about
0: well my girlfriend turned me on to gang of youths a few years ago i mean it must be before it was right after uh, go farther and lightness came out um and i became obsessed too she loved gang of Youth, and i became obsessed with them and they came to town and i i, I started corresponding with dave on Instagram. I think I actually slid into his DMs and, uh, (laughs) we started chatting and, uh, he said, yeah, come on down to the gig. We're playing, they play a few blocks from my house uh, in New York. So we went to the show and I gotta say, it's one of the best concerts I've, I've ever seen. And certainly maybe the best I've seen in the last decade. They were so incredibly good at Irving Plaza in New York. Uh, and then, you know, they had invited us to come back and say hi after the show. So we went back there and I don't know, we just really hit it off. We just really hit it off and they were finishing up their tour a few nights later, like maybe in Philadelphia. And then they came back to New York and we ended up spending that Christmas together. Uh, he (laughs) and his manager and their wives, like just kind of hung out. They stayed across the street from us and they all had Christmas at my house. Uh, and we had a blast and we just really, really hit it off. And so we stayed in touch ever since then. And so whenever I would go to England, I would see him. And he came and visited me on the farm, uh, and we yeah, we had a blast. He's very, become very close to my friend who, uh, whose farm it is as well. Uh, and we just kind of like, we're just sort of simpatico. I don't know how to, I don't know why, but you know, sometimes you just meet someone and you just become friends. And I introduced him to Chris and Sean, cause we were all, they were all, you know, coming up, they came up to visit and I, uh, they all stayed with us, uh, yeah. Dave and Cord and, and, uh, Chris and his, his family. And, uh, and then Sean was over a lot, so we all became really good. They became friends with each other as well.
1: That's incredible. We um, we just as very quick side note, we actually do, we do two shows uh, a week for this podcast, and um, our episode will be flipped, but the episode just before is Chris uh, Caraba. Uh, so oh yeah, it'll be very exciting to kind of like cross the stories.
0: <laughs> um, I was just texting with him today. He's one of the nicest people you'll ever meet. He as, as good a guy as you'll ever find. He really
1: that is. is. That is what I've heard. So I'm, I'm very yeah. excited for both of these episodes. I've heard very good things about both. So it is very exciting. I did hear as well that there's a possibility you might make a little guest appearance or feature on the new Gang of Youth records uh, when it does
0: come well, out. I, when I was over there, when I was done writing my stuff, I uh, I took a trip up to London and sang on four or five songs on the new gang of abuse. I sang all over the record and I had killer stuff and they scrapped all of it (laughs) because they started over. But when I'm going to go back and in a few weeks, I'm heading back to England. I haven't been there in a year and a half now. So I'm going to go back and as soon as the, I'm going to quarantine on the farm and try and finish up the the second suite. But as soon as the quarantine's over, I'm gonna go to London to try and do some promo stuff. And also, I wanna get on the new Gang of Youth record. (laughs) The new new, (laughs) the one I'm not on right now. So yeah, I'm gonna go back and sing again in a few weeks when I can. As soon as my quarantine's over in England, I'm going back to London to uh, sing on their record.
1: That's very exciting, very exciting. I was gonna ask, uh, obviously, um, suite one does, naming things suite one does sometimes give off the hint or imply that there might be a suite two were the songs that you've kind of collected for suite two, were they written back in New York or were they kind of uh, not leftovers, but were they other bits and pieces from the the farm sessions?
0: No, I don't have anything finished for suite two. I I just, uh, for the second suite, there was no plan to do anything other than what I did. But now that I've, once we put it together and I actually heard it finally, I I love it and I can't. And so I do want to do another one. I've got some little pieces of music and ideas and some, parts of songs i've been working on the last few months and uh when i go to england i'm gonna try and finish that and write put them all together but there's nothing uh there's nothing old on it really yeah no that's very
1: exciting to hear the counting crows have been going for for 30 years now which is um, an incredible feat in itself when you do um kind of plan to, as you said, you're going to go across and and work on Suite Two. When you are songwriting, do you find that you're able to kind of um, sit down and actively not force a song but kind of have a song, uh, an idea in the back of your mind and it manifests in its own way or does it kind of you'll sit there and you'll play and write and I don't know if that made sense.
0: Well, I've never been one to plan it out. I mean, I tend to sit down and play, and and then I, I chase the idea as it comes. You know, like with Bobby and the with, uh, Elevator Boots, it really was just this line. Bobby was a kid from around the town. I just, It really was just that. That popped into my head, and the rest of the song kind of... I will come up with stuff off the cuff like that, like a line or an idea, maybe a chorus, uh, and then I just chase it. You know, uh, but I don't. I never tend to think about something and then write about that. It doesn't happen that way for me. I, I I follow feelings into songs. Like I'll I'll be writing about a feeling and a phrase will pop up, and then I'll sort of like flesh it out as I go. Um, but I've always written that way. It's always yeah. been kind of like something pops out a line, and then I'll follow the song from there.
1: When you are. Um Cause I know that you are a bit of a perfectionist when it does come to releasing records and you know, you want everything to be in its right place. Like when you are kind of going through that songwriting process, if something's not working or um, you don't think it quite fits, how do you overcome that hurdle? Or or if it's whether it's writer's block or maybe a phrase isn't placed the right way. um, What's I guess, what's your method of trying to fix things or perfect them?
0: Well, I mean, you just kind of got to get it right. I mean, I'm, my vision, I am very much a perfectionist, but my vision of perfection is very different from the way people normally think of perfection. It's not about everything being like perfect. Like I i really love mistakes or flaws or just the momentary communications where like something that somebody does on one instrument provokes a reaction in me or vice versa. Something that's like unique in a moment, I'll leave Uh, I don't even want to call them mistakes, but I'll, I feel very free to, I'm not trying to sing a song perfectly when I sing it. I'm trying to sing it with a lot of feeling. And then when I'm comping it together, like finding different parts from different versions, I, I'm looking for the, the bumps in the road a lot of the time, you know, because when I say perfect, I mean exactly the way I want it to be. But I don't always know what that is ahead of time. I mean, I, I almost never do. And it's not about like getting it all right. I'm not looking for the band to play a perfect drum part or a perfect bass part, mistake free. I'm looking for them to play a perfect bass part that makes me feel something, you know, or a drum part that moves me, that that is galvanizing, that is uh, romantic, exciting. Um, So it's like, yeah, it's it's that kind of. By what I mean by perfect is like. I just want the record to be exactly what I want it to be when it's done. I don't want to be looking back on it saying, yeah, but we screwed this up here, but that's okay. We (laughs) ran out of time. You know, I I don't want to be making excuses for my records later. Like, they need to be everything I wanted them to be. But a lot of that is finding the best mistakes, (laughs) you know, like the best (laughs) yips and the best screw ups that just sound so perfect and real, you know?
1: Sometimes some of the, the, better records in the history of music. There are those little imperfections that kind of make them memorable or whatever it may be. So I, I do get what you're saying in terms of, yeah, you don't want, you don't want it note perfect. You want it almost f- feeling vibe perfect.
0: Yeah, like thr- it should be thrilling. If it's note perfect and boring, that doesn't count as perfect. You know what I mean? That's just a waste of time. <laughs> I mean, but I, I will say this, I will drive my producers crazy with that sometimes because they're like, oh no, you cannot put that on the record. No, you cannot leave that on the record. I'm like, no, it's perfect. That is amazing. Like, no, no, absolutely not. That cannot be on record. <laughs> there was one weird, there's an outtake from Saturday nights and Sunday mornings called Sessions. And like, it builds so much in the chorus and then it flips into the second verse. And it's like this long, ah my, and the line is my tank is full, but I went, my tank is full. It was like, it was like my <laughs> voice broke when I sang it. I was building so hard at the end of the chorus that when I sang this the next verse, my voice just fell apart and cracked open. But when I went back to listen to it, I'm like, oh, my God, that is the greatest thing. We've got to put that in. And Gil Norton was like, <laughs> you cannot leave that in. That sounds terrible. That's a huge mi- – your voice fell apart. I'm like, yeah, I know, but it only fell apart because I was so excited. And you can hear that. And he goes, oh, my, this is such a mistake. But <laughs> I left it in. <laughs> I, to this day, love it. I keep trying to recreate it in concert, and I can't do it
1: sometimes those things they they're palpable uh, even though they sh- it doesn't make sense they are palpable over record you can you can feel it it's
0: it's real yeah. it's like a real a real feeling it's it's a moment where i was completely excited so excited that i sang harder than my voice could handle and it fell apart for a split second but yeah. that's real excitement you know what i mean that's a real thing and you can feel that that's like it feels unbridled
1: yeah yeah exactly uh, I'm curious because uh, Counting Crows, you yourself, you've written for, for the band, but also for, for film and, and screen as well. There's obviously, there's an obvious one that people think of with Shrek 2, but there's also been contributions to Cruel Intentions, um, to Josie and the Pussycats. I'm curious, when you approach a project, I think Colorblind, and please correct me if I'm wrong, Colorblind, you had already kind of written before. Yeah it was included for Cool Intentions, but the other two... I wrote it the night
0: before. Yeah, right. (laughs) No, it was weird. I I literally had I wrote that song. I went into work that day and I had a meeting. I had to take a break in the middle of the day from the studio to go watch this movie. Uh, And I went to see the movie with the director and the producer. Uh, And my friend was one of the executive producers on that, my friend Tracy Falco. So I went to watch that movie and... Then they at the end of the movie, they took me back to the middle and said, this is the scene. We really want a song for right here. And I said, oh, this is really weird. I think I have just a song for you. I don't think I have anything I need to write. And they go, what do you mean? I'm like, I wrote this last night. Oh, will you play it for us? I said, no, I can't. It's not recorded yet. I literally just <laughs> wrote it. Um, but I will go back to the studio today and I will try. It's really hard to play and I'm not very good at it yet. I will try to at least like just put down a little quick demo version for you. Um, don't get attached to it. Like, it's just going to be a demo <laughs> version. But I'll, I'll try and record one tonight. And so I went back to the studio and recorded it. And then I took a cassette into the... They had given me a little DVD or a VHS tape, actually, probably, at that time, of the scene, you know, or, and a little bit before and a little bit after. And so mm-hmm. I... There was a TV in one of the other rooms with a VHS player, and I got a little boombox. And I went and waited for the scene to start, and I pushed play, and I it played colorblind. And I called them up, and I was like... Uh, the next day and I said okay I think it's perfect you should come see this it's not just perfect it's like when I say the word skin he's taking off her clothes it, it, it's weirdly how perfect it fits you should come check it out and so they came over to the studio and we like sat in front of I got them this TV and a boom box and I went watch and I pushed play <laughs> on the VHS player and then waited a second and pushed play on the, uh, the boom box and they were like oh god it's perfect yeah I go okay well let me record it with the band I want to do a band recording of it I'll get it in the next week or two so we did, yeah.
1: That's crazy. That's um almost. It's quite serendipitous, really. Yeah,
0: I did two during that record because we also did um, the theme for Rounders. The closing theme for the movie Rounders is our song "Baby I'm a Big Star Now," which was a few weeks later. Like, I went to see John Dahl, the director, uh, came to my house and talked to me about the movie, and then he took he went went I went to see a play like a screening of it from him in like whatever they were editing it. And I wrote that song like a week later and we recorded it. Um, yeah, so I, that was a busy, uh, th- during this desert life, we did a lot of stuff. <laughs> you know, that was written just for, uh, Baby, I'm a Big Star Now was written just for Rounders. And it's, it's, on the, it's the closing theme to the movie. It's off, out over the whole credits. Um, Shrek was written just for Shrek. And I guess the Josie stuff was written just for that movie too a friend of mine was working on it and they were stumped. They weren't getting anywhere. Yeah. Like it, they had a really chaotic writer's room with like 10 people, which is too many people to write songs together. Uh, and he, he was one of my housemates and he was really frustrated. Dave Gibbs from the Jiglowants. ants. And it, I don't know, one weekend I was like, I just started writing songs and I called them like, I've got four songs already come up here and let's, we wrote 10 songs over the course of a weekend. And then we called the directors up and said, you should come over our house. We've got 10 great Josie and the pussycat songs. And, uh, We'll do all the music for your movie if you want. <laughs> so, but I don't think they use all. They use like three or four of them, and then a couple that Dave Gibbs wrote with the other writers' room. Um, I don't know which ones it is because I never really saw the whole movie. Um, I saw the, I, but I did see it like, a, like years later when I'd already moved to New York. I saw the, uh, I turned on like the, you know, on the weekend on the TV, and it was showing on HBO or something, and yeah. it was just the last like twenty minutes of it. But at the ending, they have this big concert soon, and my, my song, Turn Around, I think it's called Turn Around, or Spin Around, I can't remember, it's whatever song I wrote, the big one, <laughs> it's the big closing <laughs> concert song, and I was like, oh, this is so cool, I had never heard, it was Kay Hanley singing it, it was Dave playing guitar, my, my housemate, uh, it was cool its um
1: I think it has become a bit of a cult classic as the years have gone on and um i don't I didn't bring it with me it's uh it's outside in in our living room there is a they did release a vinyl, and it was through that that I kind of I bought it because the songs are catchy, and I'm thinking the songwriting does kind of have a similarity to to certain bands and as I'm going through, I was pleasantly surprised to see your name in the liner notes of um of that
0: they had some of my favorite like guitar pop. Uh, writers on that in that they had uh Dave Gibbs from Gigolo Ants great band and i think uh i'm pretty sure Adam Schlesinger is on that too i think somewhere he is, yeah. yeah i mean those are like you know those are the guys those are like my my friends who also write great catchy songs <laughs>
1: <laughs> when um for for either Josie or Shrek when you're approached and they say we want you to write for this film whatever project it may be is there any kind of different mindset that you put yourself in whereas it's not a Counting Crows song like have more freedom or can do different things?
0: No, it's less freedom because you have a... One, I'm not very good at writing with something in mind ahead of time, which is what you need to do for those because they have to be thematically kind of about it. Um, So that's it's a lot harder and there are specific needs of those movies, especially in Shrek where it's over the movie itself, where they really needed a specific vibe, so much so that we actually recorded more than one version of it. So there's the one you hear on the radio. It's the whole electric all the way through. And to make it work over the movie, we did an acoustic beginning that kicks into the band version because um, it needed to be a little gentler. There's so much specificity on stuff like that. It's, that's much harder. Um, and and I, I feel like Counting Crows, I have more freedom than any place else in my life. Um, I mean, because whatever I decide is a Counting Crows song is a Counting Crows song. It's a That's what defines it is we make a song that we love, and that makes it a Counting Girl song, as far as I can tell. Um, so I'm always just thinking about it like that. I mean, what's another song I wrote for a movie? Miller's Angels was written originally for the, my friend Sean Penn's movie, The Crossing Guard. Uh, and it ended up, I pulled it off the movie at one point, uh, but I think they have a Springsteen song in there instead now. But that was originally about the character, the Jack Nicholson character in that movie.
1: Yeah, right. What was the... Was there any perp- uh, any reason for pulling the song or it just didn't quite align?
0: Oh, well, he, he was going through hell. Um, it, Harvey Weinstein was the producer on it and he was just putting Sean through hell. Like, he just had right. to... Re- I saw that movie when Sean first showed it to me in, in a little screening room at the Brill Building uh, with Marlon Brando. Me, Marlon Brando, and Sean watched this movie in this little <laughs> screening room together. And when it was over, Marlon said... That's the best movie anyone's made in 20 years. You know, and I I was like, I thought so too. I don't know that I've ever seen a movie as good as that movie. Uh, And Miramax just wouldn't accept it. They kept making him do cuts. They put him through hell. And after a while, I just felt like it was almost in protest. I didn't like what they were doing to my friend. I pulled the song off the movie. and, you know, then I, the movie looked for a while like it wasn't even going to get released. And then it finally did, and it's a really good movie. But I'm telling you, the cut I saw was one of the best movies anyone's ever made, you know, period. It's, fuck, it was Citizen Kane. It was so good. Um, that movie's not out. But, um, yeah, it was mostly just because I was just incredibly frustrated dealing with Harvey Weinstein. That's all.
1: Yeah, I can imagine that's not the first time that sentence has been uttered. And I'll probably leave that topic there, Adam. You uh, you also have a podcast as well, a music podcast, Underwater Sunshine, which took a bit of a break throughout the pandemic. Can we expect to see that come back in any fashion or any kind soon?
0: Oh yeah, absolutely. I, we just couldn't do it during the pandemic. He's got a family and a young daughter, and you know, he he lives about forty miles away, so he's got to drive in once a week, and it just wasn't safe to be doing it right then. Um, we were going to start up. Uh, this week, because I thought I was mostly done with the press, but there's been so much uh, response about the record that I I booked up every single day this week. Um, and I, I'm leaving to go to England in a couple weeks too, so I don't know if we'll... We might start back up in July. Like We were going to do two days this week and try and get at least four podcasts done and start putting them out again. But uh, the Butter Miracle response has been kind of overwhelming. For the last two or three weeks, I've been working three to five days a week on press, so... Uh, yeah, that's the only reason it's the only reason there's no podcasts already is because of that. We were, we would have done them la- two weeks ago or this week, but we're kind of finding free time is a little hard right now, which is all good. You know, <laughs> it, um, it, the EP has been getting an incredible response. So, um, it's,
1: I'm glad that it's getting a good response. Obviously we can, we can patiently wait for, for more podcast episodes from yourself. Um, they're coming. lastly, they're coming. Yeah, <laughs> they're coming. um, we usually speak to our, our guests about what they're currently listening to, whether there's like a um, a record that's currently or on Spotify, Apple Music, whatever it may be, um, that you're currently digging at the moment. Is there anything that's kind of taking your fancy or that's getting on high rotation?
0: Well, because both of us are obsessed, we're nearly always listening to Gang of Youths in the house. The combination <laughs> of their big friends of ours and the fact that we were both obsessed with the band anyways, means that one of us is often playing it i was also listening to uh this band hop along and their album bark your head off dog earlier today i love that record francis quinlan is an incredible writer uh my two friends sean barna and matt susich both of whom played the underwater sunshine vessel and both of whose records i sang on uh are coming out on tour with us and so i've been like sitting with their music a lot this week too and then weirdly enough uh i started playing the fifth dimension the band the fifth dimension for my girlfriend she'd never heard them and I have been unable to stop listening to that since then or singing it to myself. I cannot get the song, uh, last night I didn't get to sleep at all, out of my head. It's been running through my head like an earworm for about a week and a half now, nonstop.
1: <laughs> well, look, I'm, I'm glad to hear that Gang of Deuce is still getting a, a, a thrashing, if you will, in the house. Absolutely. <laughs> um, <laughs> Um, Adam thank you very much for your time today congratulations again on the EP and um, look forward to suit two and, uh, and more podcast episodes but thank you for your time
0: thank you so much have a good day
1: and that's our show a massive thank you to Adam Juritz for his time the EP But A Miracle Sweet One is out now We've left links in the show notes if you'd like to buy a copy of the record or see when they're touring in 2021. We also want to give a huge shout out to Tess at Six Burrows Media for helping out with today's interview. You can find a link to our Spotify playlist in the show notes where you'll be able to listen to all of our guests' picks. If you like this show, please subscribe wherever you get your pods and stay up to date when new episodes are released. We release new shows each Thursday and Friday morning with guest playlist streaming on Spotify at the same time. You can follow the player's profile on Spotify. You can follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok. Until next week, cheers.
0: Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods,